I was away with work. I was in Manchester. And I remember being in the office down there where the company head office that I worked for was. And I remember going into the boss's office on the Tuesday afternoon saying, I don't feel very well. And when he stopped laughing, he went, no, I really don't feel very well. He said, all right, let's get some help in here. That's the last memory I have for a long time. I can't remember anything of the time when I was in hospital in Manchester and I was in hospital for six weeks before I moved me back to hospital in my hometown. I know I was in a coma for about a week to 10 days and then I think my brain was just resting. That's what I put it down to anyway. It was just having a good old rest. It was tired out. It was only just before my husband got to the hospital that I got there. Apparently, they wouldn't treat it as an emergency because everything that the call handler had asked, could I do this, could I do that, I could do everything. So they wouldn't treat me as a priority. So it had taken the best part of two hours from the initial call to me getting to the hospital. When my husband got there, they spoke to him and said, Thomas had a stroke, it's, it's a big stroke you're going to get a shock when you see her. They were all just there waiting to see what was going to happen. It was very much unknown territory. I was out of it and they didn't know what on earth was going to happen. I mean, when my husband got to the hospital, he said that he was told, she's not very well, as I said, you know, you're going to get a shock when you see her. Are her parents still around? And he said, yes, they are. Okay, where are they? Well, they're back home. Um, I'm hungry and said, well, get them here now. Hello, I'm Mark Goodyear. Welcome to Stroke Stories, the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. Today we hear from Pamela Irving from Cumbria, who suffered a stroke at the age of 51. Before I had a stroke, I I worked very hard. I was a marketing manager for a legal services company, which wasn't a business that I knew anything about, but I do know marketing. So it was just using the skills that I'd learned in the IT industry and applying them to the legal services industry. I have a husband. We don't have any children. We decided we'd prefer to enjoy our life. And that's what we were doing. We used to ski twice a year. We used to like to go out on an evening. Um, You know, life was almost perfect, I have to say. And then I had a stroke. I had no prior warning that I was going to have a stroke. I was perfectly healthy. I ate healthily, liked a few drinks, yeah, but I went to the gym. Yeah, it was it was a pretty good life. And then I was uh, away with work. I was in Manchester. And I remember being in the office down there where the company head office that I worked for was. And I remember going into the boss's office on the Tuesday afternoon and saying, I, I don't feel very well. And when he stopped laughing, he went, no, I really don't feel very well. He said, all right, let's get some help in here. In my wisdom, I decided I would walk back to the hotel where I was staying and um, some of the people out of the office came with me and I rang my husband and told him I wasn't feeling very well. He says, right, I'll come down and get you. And I remember after that phone call, I, I put my head on the pillow on the, the bed in my room and I thought, if this is what dying's like, I'm not scared. And that's the last memory I have 
for a long time. I can't remember anything of the time when I was in hospital in Manchester and I was in hospital for six weeks before I moved me back to hospital in my hometown. I know I was in a coma for about a week to 10 days and then I think my brain was just resting. That's what I put it down to anyway. It was just having a good old rest. It was tired out. It was only just before my husband got to the hospital that I got there. Apparently, they wouldn't treat it as an emergency because everything that the call handler had asked, could I do this, could I do that? I could do everything. So they wouldn't treat me as a priority. So it had taken the best part of two hours from the initial call to me getting to the hospital. When my husband got there, they spoke to him and said, Tom's had a stroke. It's, it's a big stroke. You're going to get a shock when you see her. And other than that, I don't remember anything else about the actual day that it happened. That's about as much as I know and what I've been told. I know my husband was down. He stayed at the hospital. He was just sleeping in a chair for a couple of days. My parents and my husband's mum had come down and they were all just there waiting to see what was going to happen. It was very much unknown territory. I was out of it and they didn't know what on earth was going to happen. I mean, when my husband got to the hospital, he said that he was told, she's not very well, as I said, you know, you're going to get a shock when you see Are her parents still around? And he said, yes, they are. Okay, where are they? Well, they're back home. Um, and said, well, get them here now. Pamela survived her stroke and recovery started at home. When I came out of hospital, it all happened quite suddenly. I think it was because the early supported stroke discharge team had a place and they could they could fit me in so they could come out and support me. So I found out on the Sunday I was coming out. I think I came out on the Tuesday, following Tuesday. There'd been some plans building up to it. They knew it was imminent. The OT had been out and they'd had a look at where I live at home, see what what the situation was and what I needed to have in place. You know, things like there was a, a step at the front door, so we needed to get a ramp for that. My dad actually built one. I couldn't do stairs, so it was a case of moving a bed out of one of the spare rooms into our dining room, and that became my bedroom. Fortunately, we had a downstairs loo, and we had the space that I could have a room to sleep in downstairs. You know, there wasn't any great crisis there. And when I came home, the I said the early supported stroke discharge team was supporting me, and they were very, very good. They were coming in four times a day, first thing in the morning to help me get up and wash and dressed and the eyes that helped me so I could make breakfast. Or if they were a bit shorter time, they would make it for me. We were back at lunchtime. They'd be back around tea time and they'll come back at bedtime and, and help me get back to bed. Because at this point, my husband had gone back to work. He was starting very early in the morning. So he would go off to bed and then somebody from the stroke team would come in and make sure I got safely to bed and, and they would uh, you know, make sure everything switched off and let themselves out. I can't really fault the uh, supporter stroke discharge team. They were very good, very good indeed. And they, it was that team that gave me physio and there was an OT there as well. I came out of hospital mid-February and I think the, the four calls a day, they started 
reducing them and they ended about the end of April. But I have to say that their method for pulling out and me becoming independent was, was very good. The first call that we dropped was the tea time call because my husband was around. It was just a case of coming in doing some exercises, really. Then they said for the morning call, they said, well, you get yourself up and make a start and we'll come in and make sure you're all right and and, and make sure you're, you're managing. And then I remember after that, on the morning, it was just a phone call. They were just giving me a quick call. Are you okay? Are you managing? Blah, blah, blah. So it was, it was a good way of doing it. I felt very supported along that, that journey um, to, to ultimate independence. The physio continued for a bit longer. I think I got the physio until about mid-June, end of June. Okay. And then it was off you go. Coming up, Pamela talks about adapting to rehab during COVID. So I had to kind of get on with it myself, which, and then unfortunately the charity closed their office here, so I didn't have that same support available. So I've just continued now on my own with the walking practice, not in town because there's no shops left, it's a bit pointless really, but just walking locally. I go to a gym once a week where I've got a personal trainer who's been very good at keeping me motivated and working on exercises. And the ongoing physical legacy of her stroke. For me, it's predominantly the physical side, the the walking and the using my left um, dominant hand that's the, 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 the real issues for me. I've not been able to get back to driving because I've lost some peripheral vision. But to be honest, being able to walk is is enough of a challenge at the minute. Um, I used to do a lot of driving. I like driving, I like cars, but driving is a long, long way down my list of priorities. There's a lot of other things I want to achieve before I get to that point. In fact, I probably won't drive again, to be honest. Pamela continues to work on her recovery. It may be seven and a half years since I had my stroke, but I'm still having physio. Obviously, I'm having to pay for it privately. And the lady that I'm seeing now is about 40-odd miles away from from where I live. So what we do is we do physio on Zoom. And then occasionally, when my husband has a day off or he decides to go and have a day off, he'll take me through to see her and we'll have a face-to-face session. And I I think it works fine. From my perspective, I'm just pleased I've got physio. I know a lot of physios say, oh, it's got to be face-to-face, got to be hands-on. Well, I'd rather have it on Zoom than not at all. So, And where I live, there aren't any neurophysios closer than the one that's 40-odd miles away. I've also been supported for quite a long time by a charity called United Response who support people so that they can do the things that matter to them. So for me, it was walking. So I had a support worker that was coming in and we were going walking. We were just walking um, locally so I could get used to walking outside, walking on pavements. And then I extended the support so that we would go into town so I could get used to walking amongst people, negotiating shops, and that continued till lockdown. 
um, when it all stopped. So I had to kind of get on with it myself, which, and then unfortunately the charity closed their office here. So I didn't have that same support available. So I've just continued now on my own with the walk-in practice, not in town because there's no shops left. It's a bit pointless really, but just walking locally. I go to a gym once a week where I've got a personal trainer who's been very good at keeping me motivated and working on exercises that he gives me that, you know, stretch me just a little, um, take me outside my comfort zone. But he's, he's good. He's really good. He tells really bad jokes, but um, he's, he's a very good uh, personal trainer. And then, of course, there's the local Different Strokes group that meets once a month, which I go to, and we have an Annie trainer that comes to do exercises with the group. So that's another opportunity to get a different perspective on exercises. Again, she's a personal trainer, but she's been through the specialist Annie training, so she's got the skills and knowledge to work with someone that's, that's had a stroke. I work with an OT on Zoom on hand exercises. Again, she's very good. She's very good at keeping me motivated, keeping me moving forward with exercises. It's the simple things that I imagine that people don't have a stroke will never think about, things like using a knife and fork, you know, fork in your left hand, knife in your right hand. It's hugely complicated, hugely complicated how you hold each item uh, and hugely difficult to relearn. But that is one of my current goals to be able to confidently and successfully use a knife and fork properly. I'm very fortunate in that I don't think I've been affected very much emotionally. And it's for me, it's predominantly the physical side, the, the walking and the using my left um, dominant hand that's the, the the real issues for me. I've not been able to get back to driving because I've lost some peripheral vision. But to be honest, being able to walk is, is enough of a challenge at the minute. Um, I used to do a lot of driving. I like driving. I like cars. But driving is a long, long way down my list of priorities. There's a lot of other things I want to achieve before I get to that point. In fact, I probably won't drive again, to be honest. And here's Pamela with her advice to stroke survivors and their loved ones. My advice to somebody that, that's unfortunate enough to have a stroke is don't despair, don't give up. You can recover. It will be hard work. It may take a long time, but it is possible. If you put the effort in, you can relearn the skills that you've lost. My advice to somebody that's a family member or friend of someone that's had a stroke is they can recover and there's nothing nicer as someone that's had a stroke being asked to help out. I remember one of the things that I found wonderful was when my husband said to me, would you go get such and such out the freezer? I can't remember what it was, but I remember thinking, yeah, yeah, I'll go. And it was just a great feeling to be able to contribute something meaningful instead of just exercising and, you know, moving and shifting and carrying and whatever to actually go and get something. So now I like to 
clear the table for our evening meal. I like to prepare the meal as far as necessary or as I can so that when my husband comes home, it's all prepared. He just has to finish it off. Whether you're a stroke survivor or a family member or friend, have heart. You can recover. It is possible if you put the work in. Although Pamela's stroke was nearly fatal, she's made a steady recovery and continues to mix her own rehab with exercise at her local gym. Thank you very much for listening to Stroke Stories. Please do share and rate and comment on the episodes you hear to help us spread the word. And if you have a stroke story to share, please get in touch via our DMs on Twitter and Instagram. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening.